Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, uh, a sleepy time of the year. Just nothing happening. Nobody into business for themselves. No transactions to worry about. Just the football season's over. Cushion between now and the bowl game. Basketball season just rolling downhill and non-conference play. Just it's another day in the in the office, huh? Yeah, that's hey, that's why we took a break from the podcast for a while because there's just absolutely nothing to talk about, nothing at all. I just don't know why people are interested. Like, it's guys, nothing's happening. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. In reality, quite a bit is happening. That's why we're here today. You had to step aside, catch our breath, really just throw your hands in the air and grab as many headlines as you can, whether it's players coming or going, contracts up in the air expiring basketball season just at this odd intersection roster management surprise bowl games injuries a lot happening so you get a grasp and then all of a sudden not one but two lawsuits just kind of blindside you typical what lawsuits do you don't see them coming and they got to have answers to questions you weren't even thinking of like a day before or a week before. And then you have answers to those questions. And now there's new questions about what the heck is a reconsideration order. I don't know. So now we got our wits about us. We're going to try to answer some questions here, but not necessarily a mailbag, Chris. I think it's just like, let's talk about some of the many things that are happening. And then I think you and I are like a lot of people who might read and listen where we have questions too. We're trying to get answers to stuff because these things do happen fairly commonly, but also fairly unexpectedly. And sometimes there's a degree of, unknown that you really have to get to the bottom of it. I think we're going to try to do that before I get there though. Anything going on in your life or is it just a lot of uh, what I just went over there? Just kind of trying to figure out what's happening, what to make sense of. Yeah. Just trying to figure out what's going on. It's, it's a busy time, you know, obviously with a lot of transfers, visiting recruits, visiting, and it's a lot more for like in the summer in June, everybody wants to talk. They get, they finish their visits. You catch up with them. They tell you how things go. It's wonderful. It's lovely. Um, and and it, this is the case every cycle. You go back when these kids come in for junior days back in like December and January. Oh, they will, they will message you to be like, I am coming and I want to tell you everything that happens. Please give me your number. Then you get into the spring. Then you get into the summer. Time to get the summer. Well, 30% of those kids. They're not going to answer anymore. They're done. Maybe they'll answer. Maybe they'll send you two texts saying how the visit went. Well, you're still catching up with most of them. Then you get to December, and they're done. They're just done. They don't want to talk to anybody. Transfers especially do not want to really talk to anybody. I mean, you may occasionally catch some of the lower level transfer or you know guys that were at the lower level transferring up, being excited to talk to media for the first time, really, but. For the most part, they're done. They're focused on what's going on and getting signed and getting other places. And some of these kids, they're, you know, doing a trip from to one school from Wednesday to Friday and then immediately flying from that school to the next school for another visit. And they're just like, hey, I'll just when we're done with all of it, I'll talk to everybody. So it is a wild and crazy and kind of frustrating time right now to to get answers on what's going on with recruiting. Yeah. Interesting conversation I had over the weekend, and and you kind of hit something there that is similar here, similar track, but we have that initial wave when the portal opens and you get players who are rushing in. 
I don't know what you would call them, but it's kind of the reaction is, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course that player is going into the portal. That makes sense. These are the guys who can't wait to get in, it seems like. And why wait, more importantly? And then you have like a second wave, and I don't know when this will hit, but like, for example, this is finals week of West Virginia. The semester ends Friday. And some of the older players who have who are older, maybe have transferred once already, they're just, they're just different levels of their life. And they've been through the recruiting process once, maybe twice. But also, like you said, focused. They want to be like surgical and get it done efficiently. And they know they're not going anywhere right now because of the finals. So they're just kind of not yet at that phase. And they wouldn't want to focus on finishing the semester, making sure the academics are good. Because typically your older players, and maybe even the guys who transferred once, they're going to be in command or in demand, I guess. So they want to be in command of the situation. And they know it's going to be busy because once you're in that portal, your phone goes crazy. And if you're trying to like sew up your life here in Morgantown and also do final exams, you really don't want a whole lot of distractions, especially like just answering countless phone calls and, and returning messages and things like that. So you might see maybe later half of this week a second wave. So for, for different reasons, one that I brought to the table and one that you just spoke to a minute ago, I don't I don't think it's done yet. But what's the count right now for West Virginia? Is it tw- is it 12 or 13? I believe it's a 12, but it's nine nine scholarship players right now mm-hmm. that are in the portal for West Virginia. Um, I went back and checked, you know, to compare to previous years. It's like, hey, it, again, because I, I got a couple of these messages on Twitter, you know, responding to like, you know, some of the stories about guys leaving. Yeah. Ele- oh, excuse me. 11 scholarship players, two other walk-ons transferred. Um, like, oh, my God, another mass exodus. Here it is again. First off, it, it, this is the new norm. Get used to it. it. Neil Brown said it well, like weeks ago that he is expecting a third of the roster to turn over, a third of it. Now, some of that's graduation, um, and and others of it are going to be transfers, guys going to the NFL early, all that stuff. But he is expect he was expecting a third of the roster to turn over. If you have eighty five scholarship players on your roster plus a bunch of walk ons. You're talking what 30 to 40, 25 or 30, 30 to 40 kids turning over, leaving the program. So yeah, makes sense. It's this is the way it's gonna be. And West Virginia's gonna add to replace it. West Virginia, given the guys they already had verbally committed out of high school before the portal opened, they were on pace to be 10 scholarships over the limit. So departures are expected, normal. Compared the first week to previous two years the number of snaps important snaps played by the departures way 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 down this year compared to the previous two seasons so that to me seems more important than maybe the total the number overall although you you always want depth but they'll be able to replace it they're in a much better spot than they were are now than they were two years ago all right, a lot we want to get to. I know something you want to talk about is just kind of the the quantity slash quality going out right now in the portal and perhaps coming in. We don't have incoming players yet, but you've certainly circled a, a, a pretty good number of possibilities, and they run the gamut from levels of football to experience in college football. You can catch all that stuff on the website here. We're looking at 11 slash 2 players here. Can you quantify Wait, wait, wait. Can you qualify, I guess? Quantity is the number. Qualify the 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 exodus right now. Because as you said, it's not, it doesn't seem as bad. It's a big number for sure. 
But the big number is maybe the new normal. And more importantly, the quality of player that's going out. There's there's a handful that you 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 know they're going to be better with than without. But there's also a bunch that you're just thinking, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Like they they did their best, they tried, and it just it didn't make sense to continue. And it's not a surprise to see them in the portal. I'm I'm not sure it's an A or it's an ever an A right now, but it certainly isn't an F either. No, I mean uh, there was a stat I put up I think after the first six guys went, which was Jeremiah Aaron, Cortez Braham. Uh, Lance Dixon, who, by the way, technically still not in the portal, has not been with the team since the Houston game, but technically not in the portal at this time. Um, Davis Malinger, Christian Stokes, and Jay Sean Polk. Chronologically, excuse me, that was the order. And those six guys, Mike, can you guess how many meaningful snaps were played by those six players in the second half of this season? It starts with a Z. I was gonna say, it's, it's none, right? Because none of them are on the team after October. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Lance Dixon obviously played some uh, up up to the Houston game. Uh, Aaron and Braham were starters for the first, what, four games or at least a couple of them. They left after the fourth game um, or, quote, self-redshirted. And the others didn't really play. Like, you know, maybe a, a, a spot here on special teams. Uh, I think Stokes played some, like, you know, a couple snaps in, in the when West Virginia was up 25 on Cincinnati in the fourth quarter. But that's it. You get a little more, huh, you know, notable after that. Hershey McLaurin was was one. Uh, he played some a good bit. He was technically a starter. I think you're going to call him a starter here uh, in and out of the quote-unquote starting lineup, but playing significant snaps. I think it was 300-some for the year. Um, Mike Lockhart, bigger name. But you're looking at this, so let's agree on this first, because this was going to be one of my questions to you. Let's say top three guys, biggest losses so far for immediate impact. I know people want to talk about the future future, like four years down the road, but I'm talking the biggest losses for 2024 out of the guys that have left so far. Well, Mike Lockhart would be one. Uh huh. I don't like losing James Hurd. Because, and then that's the guy who didn't do a whole lot, but the potential was certainly there. And that bandit position just needs, it needs something. And to lose a guy who can do that, that hurts for sure. Chris, I have a hard time with a third one. Is that fair? I'm with you. I think, you know, it, it's out of this list, it's Lockhart. Feels like the definitive number one. And then. And let me say this too, like nothing against him. His his first half to two thirds was a pretty solid season. Wasn't as great in the second, the third third, I suppose. And then I just look at who they've had there the past couple of years, and it's three different players, really, from Mesador to Jefferson to him. And if if you had those three season stat lines in their hands, and like did a blind resume, I don't think you'd match up. Lockhart's numbers with his name and Mesador's numbers with his name and Jefferson's numbers with his name. They're all, they're not the same, but they're kind of hard to discern. So like that's, that's a loss for sure. Cause it's a guy who had potential and also had experience, but look at what Fatorma Moba did. That's a guy who not only is on deck to be back next year and to do more, maybe become a Lockhart, but you can find a Moba. You can find a combination of players to give you a nose. Like I don't think you want a nose playing 80% of the snaps. If you get three guys who can do a one can do, that's okay. I don't, that's a loss, but like, I do think that they can make that go away. So there are five players 
listed by Pro Football po- Focus. Again, not not perfect, but certainly something to go by, especially for over the course of an entire season. Five players listed as interior defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Vesterinen, Asani Redwood, Fatorma Moba, Mike Lockhart, and Jalen Thornton that have played at least 100 snaps this season. Okay? Can you guess out of those five where Mike Lockhart ranks out of those five? Yeah, I'm going to guess five. Five. Yeah. He ranks fifth. Again, I think he's better than that. Like they have him pretty low, 56.7, which is below average. Um, I don't think he's I don't think he's a bad player. Let's put it that way. I think he's a solid player. But when the worst player you're losing right now is potentially your fifth best interior defensive lineman. At least according to that metric, like you're in okay shape because I'm with you. You get what are the three biggest losses? Is it Lockhart, who, and we're kind of going over here, might be pretty easily replaceable. Um, James Hurd, I'm with you. Like he didn't do anything this year, but there's a reason that Neil Brown called him, and I'm I'm semi quoting here. I'm, I'm paraphrasing the best pass rusher they've ever recruited since he's been at West Virginia. Yeah. Um, Seems notable when a coach says that. I had someone else, capital S, someone, tell me that, and I am quoting here off the record, Jordan Leslie, defensive coordinator, would have given up five scholarships in this class just to get heard. (laughs) So, you know, this is not a guy they're running off. He's a good player, and, I, you know, I think they're disappointed that he's gone. Um but he played zero meaningful snaps this year. So we got to keep that in mind as well. You're, and you got, uh-huh. so your candidates for number three are pretty small too. You're looking at, I would guess, Hershey McLaurin, Justin right. Johnson. That's so your third, your third or fourth string running back or a guy who split time at the spear. Yeah. And played 300 snaps, averaged about 30 snaps a game, was good. Um, and it might be about 30 snaps a game. Like the scarcity options now at that position because you have Collins, you don't have Dixon, you don't have Christian Stokes anymore. By default or by, you know, performance, McLaurin was number one. Presumably he would have been next year too. But again, like what what is your favorite Hershey McLaurin game or moment? Just that, that, that position and maybe that player just never really made you feel like that's a, that's spilled milk, you know, like that's a, that's a tough one to, to say is like a dire thing, but similar to Johnson, a guy who I think started one game this year because he played pretty well the game before and then didn't perform and then just kind of got passed. And that's, that's kind of the story of his career so far is that he's been on that. He's been on like the treadmill for a while and he's never really gained anybody either. All right, let me lead, lead you to the next question. Then uh, we talked about, you know, the guys that are the, maybe the biggest impact departures. Let's talk about most surprising departures and that's not, you know, most of these names we were hearing right, you know, a few days before they went in, a couple of weeks before they went in. So let's go back and pretend I gave you this list before the well, I was gonna say if I say game six, then you already know Aaron Braham and Dixon are gone. But let's say let's say after the Houston game, halfway through the season, the midseason point, I gave you this list of departures. Who's the most surprising to you out of this list? I think Johnson might be because that's a guy who I always heard was really happy to be here, which just was in a good spot. Like he's from a, um, you know, his, his, he just, he wanted to get away from home and go to school and, and be in a different spot. And he always seemed happy here. 
really popular with his teammates. Like no one has bad things to say about him. And it just to, to think that like you would pull one of the one of the pieces out of that running back room and kind of be like, so okay. That would have surprised me back at that point of the season. Because we didn't know Jaheim White was going to become this this version of Jaheim White. And at that point, you know, Anderson was kind of doghoused because he had that drop in that game, the interception that ended up becoming huge. He would fumble his only touch, I think, the rest of the season, the next week. It, it would just seem strange to me that at that point, Johnson would go, would be gone because he was in a position really to be onward and upward as like the number two. But also to say that like that's not a big deal, that would have really surprised me at that point. Yeah, you're right. Daggone, I forgot. Jalen Anderson, one single snap in the second half of the season on offense was that failed lateral play, right? Yeah. Correct. Whew. Um, yeah, I think, wow, that's a pretty good pick then. I was thinking, ah, Johnson? Yeah, no, nah, that doesn't surprise me, but I guess that is. Um, at that point in the season, that might have been a pretty good pick. Um, I'm kind of torn on the Stokes or Hurd thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, like the herd thing, it, I'm going to pick Stokes. And let me explain why. When you were talking about transfers, I would say 90% of the transfers that you see are either graduating so that they can do that transfer, uh, the graduate transfer. So they have like one year of eligibility, maybe two. Or you have on the other end of the spectrum, guys transferring after their first year at a school. Makes sense. Like you've either been there for four years or you're looking for a one-year opportunity. So you got a nice, easy transfer someone on the one end or you're doing it after your first year. How many people listening to this podcast who aren't even athletes maybe went to a college and after the first semester of the first year, they're like, do I really like this place? Do I want to be here? Do I want to, you know, those kind of thoughts that, it, that, that enter your head there where maybe you see you've heard over the past year of other opportunities. So a guy leaving after year one or a guy year leaving after year four or five, that doesn't surprise me. But a guy like Stokes who's leaving after year two, that makes transfers a little more complicated. And I think it was lining up. You know, obviously that first season he was hurt. And then this year, there was a lot of depth in front of him. Some of that depth is going to be disappearing. And we're even talking right now, especially with McLaurin gone. Now Stokes entered before McLaurin. We don't even, like the current situation for the bowl game is going to get really hairy in that secondary, um, especially at safety and especially at sphere. And I think there was an opportunity for Stokes to really kind of step in. And I know he has an amazing relationship with Dante Wright too, the current safeties coach. So that was probably the one, if you told me, you know, six weeks ago, that's one that would have surprised me, even though he really wasn't playing that much. What do you think it says about a guy where he's a deep safety and I've, believe i know he was hurt last year and again acl injury for him in his senior season of high school that's that's trouble and not, and not because he's trouble it's just a hard thing to get past because you want to make that first impression on college campus and his true freshman year basically they'll tell you he wasn't ready however you have a guy like that who's a back-end safety and they kind of say that he's probably better suited to not be reading and responding put him near the line and near the ball and let him go I don't know what that means for a defensive back, but that just kind of makes me wonder a little bit because those safety skills, whether that's physical or like mental, I don't know, but like there's something there that you want to, you got to have range physically and mentally to play that position in the back end. And when they kind of say, actually put you near the ball, like they did to Davis Mallinger, they did to McLaurin, 
guys who and McLaurin's just a longer guy. He was probably a pretty good fit of that position. I think that Stokes is six foot. That's a tough spot to be like six foot and play unless you're really fast and you can move around and do some things. But I don't know if that was a red flag or if that should have been a bit of an alarm there that here's a guy that they wanted to play deep safety and said, ah, man, maybe not. And I'm not sure life is easier when you're in that box and you're near the ball and near the line of scrimmage. You may be fast, but like you got to be big to to hang around there too. And, and he didn't have the reach or the height or I guess the vertical leap either that Hershey McLaurin did. Remember, he's the unquestioned best leaper on the team. Like you got to have something a little bit different to play there. And maybe he just didn't have that. Now let's talk about additions. I'm pulling up my transfer offer thread here. We got each position broken down. The players that West Virginia has offered so far in the transfer portal. And I want to start out with the positions where West Virginia has not offered someone. And I want your quick thoughts on that. Quarterback, running back, special teams. Should there be offers at any of these positions? Yep. Oh, all right. I'm just not sold on the... Yeah, now you have to explain yourself. I'm not sold on quarterback coming back as is. I don't know what they know, but maybe they don't know what they know either. This just could change. Hold on. Let me type this up. Mike reporting that Garrett Green accepting NIL bag from SEC school. It's LSU. Send. (laughs) Send. No. (laughs) Um, I don't think he's going anywhere. He's been clear on that, but we've mentioned this before. Like You've got to have a pretty serious conversation with Nico Marchio if you're Neil Brown or Sean Reagan. Or if you're Nico, you got to have a conversation with Reagan or Brown. And it, it likes I, I may not be the guy in 24. I understand that I watched number six this year. However, in 25, where does it look? Or how does it look? I guess. Where am I going? You got to have that conversation. But also, here's a guy who's from the West, you know, Colorado, Arizona. Um, does, I'm not saying he's going to one of those two or three schools, but he's from out West. And is this the thing he wants to do here? He's happy, I guess. I don't know. But I just wonder about that. Is that a guy who's going to be, you know, a four star guy who doesn't play for three years? Quarterbacks itch, you know, they they want to play. That's a, that's a tough one for me. Um, running back, I would just be on the lookout for guys who are good. I don't I don't know. Like I would just because I don't know who's going out that door. We haven't even we mentioned Jalen Anderson. He's not in the portal yet. Uh, Johnson gone. Jaheim White sounds like he's coming back. C.J. Donaldson. We haven't heard anything to say one way or the other, but you would assume he's back. But that's just two. I know they like the 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 guy coming in. That's fine. But how many running backs did you need this year, Chris? Yeah, well, and I think that's where this weekend's pass visitor, Trayvon Dunbar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, Johnson's out. Maybe even if you lose somebody else like Anderson, if you are assuming, which it's always dangerous to assume in this climate, that White and Donaldson are back, do you need to go in the portal and get, you know, like a redshirt junior or a senior? Like maybe it makes more sense to add a second high school commit to that room to, to develop. And quite frankly, I don't even want to say develop since each of the last two seasons. We've said, hey, look at this true freshman coming in, but they're behind some older guys, so they might not play a lot. And there they are. So, And then specialist. I would offer, I would think, if you found a really good one. I think we forget sometimes that Hayes has another year left, too. Straw's fine. I'm okay with that. We probably need to get to the bottom for sure on the record about what the heck happened with kickoffs. I just like to have that option if I can. If I have the flexibility to do that, I would do it. Now you're you're kind of dealing in luxuries here. Can you get a quarterback? Can you get a fourth running back? Can you get 
an extra kicker? I'm saying yes. You probably can't do that. I understand the numbers don't work. This doesn't mean it's an automatic, though. Just because you offer somebody doesn't mean you take them. Obviously, we see that all the time. And I think it's the same in the portal as it might be in recruiting, but I think you could have a conversation with a backup kicker, with a third or fourth running back, with a second quarterback, and say, hey, here's the situation. Don't have anything right now, but in the event that something happens, let's start a relationship. Let's have a conversation about how things might look. Because, Chris, if it does happen where a quarterback leaves or a running back leaves or you don't like your kicking situation, you're not 11th hour desperation recruiting somebody. You're circling back and saying, hey, I gave you my card before. Remember me? We already had this talk. Have you thought about it? And then if you got to make something happen, it's not an uphill battle. You're already in that guy's ear. You talked to him, you made him think a little bit. And I would say that some of these players are not going to have superior offers or so many offers that they would dismiss you in that initial conversation. So if you do come back and you made a good impression, they thought about it, that's something that they're open to. And it's not a shut door. It's not an absolutely no, I don't want to be a backup. Because you can pitch to a quarterback and again, Maybe even the guy who's already transferred and won't be eligible but has to sit out this year, you can pitch to him, come in, learn the playbook, get used to Morgantown. The roads aren't great. The people are fine. Weight room, Mike Joseph, get used to it. And then you got a chance to hit the ground running in 25. There, there's a way you can pitch that, but you're not going to do that at the last minute. So I think it's okay to make some offers or at least to establish some contacts with one, two, or three of those positions. All right, I'm going to do little quick hitters on a couple other spots before we get to the more important ones. Offensive line, a couple offers to experienced players that are transfers, but both have multiple years of eligibility left. You good with that? Makes sense to me. And honestly, honestly, Chris, what they're doing with their recruiting on offensive line for the past couple of years, I, I don't know how you can fault that. The transfers, the walk-ons that have developed and even moved on to other schools and started, to to what they're doing right now makes sense, and I don't think you can question it based on the results. Um, How about rusher? You can question yeah. it. I'm not sure you can just absolutely dismiss it or critique it. How's that? You certainly can question it, but like they they they've hit more than they've missed. If, if it can be questioned, our message board will question it. I promise you. Um, edge rusher, obviously, target Neil Brown said, you know, they, they they're looking at a pass rusher, and they've. Targeted only a couple guys and guys that have definitively gotten to the quarterback that are quote-unquote linebackers, one quote-unquote defensive end, but whatever way you want to look at it, edge rusher type. So, makes sense? They uh, That's an or else situation, I would think. Yeah. Again, nothing um, nothing against Sean Martin. I think overall had an had a acceptable season, but that's a guy who put a ton of snaps at defensive end and had one sack. Can't do that. Here's one that's really interesting. Tight end. Not only multiple offers, but already had hosted one on a visit. <laughs> Is there a cap on how much NIL money you can spend on tight ends, Mike? Are they spending money on any of those guys, though, you think? <laughs> I don't know like, if they're spending money on them, but this is a lot of tight ends to be having for a team that legitimately only completed one pass to one tight end this year. So you have three that are on scholarship presently, correct? Four, five, jeez. Yeah, nope. As I say, it's definitely more than that. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six? Who's six? Cole Taylor, Traylon Davis, Victor Wickstrom, Will Dixon. Oh, that's right. Johnson, <laughs> Johnson, and Bram. Okay, that doesn't so make sense. These guys are walking on. Obviously, the implication here would be that some number of those six are not going to be back. Who that would be, I don't know. We can guess on one of them, probably, but like Cole Taylor's not going anywhere. 
don't know why Traylon Davis would be. And then the young guys, why would Dixon, Bram, and Johnson go anywhere right now? Um, I don't know about Wickstrom. That's just that's a guy who's been in the system and hasn't been here for a while. I believe he's due to graduate. Maybe him. I don't know. But like, I don't know that you do, but they probably know something that we don't know there. I love your genuine, like, just amazement at a potential seven scholarship tight ends on the roster already for next year with WVU pursuing two more at the moment. Fantastic. All right. So, but then there's the real, the real offers, the obvious offers. Um, Neil Brown said they're looking for a go-to guy at receiver. They have offered a handful of them. I put the stat out there about most of their offers ranking as some of the best deep threat options that are in the portal. Some of the best deep threat options from this past year. So it seems like that's a move. And then defensive back. If you are a defensive back who had a pulse in 2023 and you are in the portal, you almost certainly have a West Virginia offer right now. How many can they possibly take? I mean, right now they only hosted two. And there's only one more weekend before you know signing day. Again, they don't have to sign on signing day. They're transfers. They can just enroll next year. But there's not going to be other real opportunities to visit before then. How many do you think they can really take at this point, Mike? Receivers? Defensive backs. Oh, I'm sorry. About $11 billion. I'm, a, I'm expecting one receiver. I honestly don't know why I said transfers. receivers. I don't know why I said receivers because I'm staring at the cornerback list in your offer right now. Um, I wonder if it's not a guy who's like a slash could do a couple of things. Like a, it's like a Marcus Floyd where if, if one of the two is like a Marcus Floyd who can do something and be different and maybe give you two spots and you figure it out when he gets on campus. That sounds like what they did with Floyd. They knew he could do a couple of things. They said, all right, you know what? He's a safety. Possibly that's what they do there. It's got to be a big number, though, don't you think? Like, one isn't going to do it. No, I was going to say, I mean, we're, I'm thinking in my head, like, are we going to be talking three, four, like five transfers? Because three this corner, year. I mean, cornerbacks definitively, like, you know, Beanie Bishop and Malachi Ruffin are gone, period. Like, they don't have eligibility left. And Andrew Wilson Lamp, who was one of the backups, technically gone. So right now that room is what Jacoby spells and one of the Jackson twins. One of them got moved to corner and I can't remember which one right off the top of my head right now, but Jordan. That's it. Those possibly two Montre Miller. Oh yeah. Possibly Montre Miller. That's right. Coming yeah. off an injury that sidelined him for the entire season. And if he wants to get the extra year, that was kind of a thing that Brown very delicately said that will be up to him. Um, so I don't know where that's going to go. That's not, so let's just say that's not, guaranteed. I, I believe his mom might've, uh, Blown the cover on that on social media. I think she made a post that said something about him coming back and then deleted it. So we'll see. Uh, so gonna need a couple. So this year there was four, right? You had you had uh, Wilson, Cobb, Miller, Bishop. Two of them mattered. So would two be enough this year? I would think not. You've got to be three or more, right? Yeah. Okay. And 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 for those listening, it doesn't have to be right now. No. Several of these guys we're talking about that made an impact on this year's team came in uh, the second window, which is after the spring game. So it doesn't have to happen right now. But, yeah, you know, it would be nice to actually have somebody to play cornerback in the spring, you know, actual bodies to be on the field, to be out there. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I mean, five, six. Ooh, okay. Wow. Okay. 
Let me yeah, ask I mean, you a question it, here. Well, not not right now, but like between this window and the next window, sure. five or six defensive back transfers. I understand we just have a couple of minutes here. I know you want to get to basketball, I think. Um, but what do you think a linebacker, in particular, the size of some of the linebackers that they're recruiting? Got it. Got to add a couple more. They had another one on a high schooler, four-star high school player on campus this past weekend. That's notable. Again, you got to build depth there because things were. I mean, things were rough this year. Um, once you had like a couple injuries, that was it, and you were in a tough, tough spot. Um, I think they're expecting everyone back that can be back at that position. And to be honest, not a big. If number. you were a linebacker, why would you leave? Yeah, right like it's like, hey you have a, the inside track to a starting spot no matter who you are pretty much. So I'm not leaving. Some of these guys are big though, like tall and heavy. Yeah. Well, they need to get bigger. Do you think they took personal that uh, comments about how this looks like a Mac school or whatever it was in the preseason? Yeah. Yeah. So Brown really thought that Brown went like and did a study with his strength, with his strength staff and tried to figure out the average positional dimensions of a West Virginia player and it was like middle of the pack in Big 12 like they they did take that to heart and kind of well actually that but they were middle of the pack but the small part did look like a linebacker and I'm looking at some of these heights and more importantly weights I'm just thinking these are older bigger players too are they going somewhere with this so they're trying to be more of a rock in the middle or maybe linebackers hold up better when they're bigger stronger people in the middle that's a that's a pretty volatile position well let's uh take a moment here to talk about basketball I hate to do that but Quite frankly, the way things are going, this is where fan interaction and fan interest, at least from what we've seen um, on our site, is at the moment mostly still football, even with nothing going on or no games going on. But basketball, maybe that changes now. Paracresa is back. That's official. Done. A cook, a cook. Back. Played a little more. Had a little excitement. Raekwon battle. Up in the air reconsideration and then a player to be named later potentially maybe it keeps like josh eiler keeps getting asked about it he keeps alluding to the fact that they are attempting it we'll see but mike is there potential with let's just say battles back Grisa battle a cook a cook healthy can this team turn things around and become competitive for a potential NCAA tournament spot? Yeah, they won't be immediate, especially when you look at their their initial Big 12 schedule. Like They're going to take some bumps there, but I think at, at their best, they're going to take bumps there. But they would have to get hot, but you're not going to get hot unless you have those players in a groove for a couple of games, maybe a couple of weeks in a row. But you'll have the pieces on the board, and I think it's a good thing right now they don't have anything going on. They don't have a game this week, but they get – four probably pretty heavy practices with Creasa and a cook. I don't know if or when you'll see battle coming back. I just don't think that stuff is going to be as fast as people think, unless the NCAA says, so oh, then we change our mind and they let him go. So let's not even think about that, but just getting a week with those two practicing with the team. That'll help. That's a good UMass team. They're playing though. Scores a lot of points can play fast They're They got size talent. So that's a good test for them right away. It's it's a hard answer to give you with, with a lot of confidence because this has been such a, a strange season that things have happened and who knows what happens. They're better off of those two people for sure, and they're not they're not terrible right now. Just that their issues are numbers, and if you add two numbers, you add four legs and four lungs, Chris. <laughs> that's that's a that's a step in the right direction. So it could happen. It doesn't happen unless they have the piece on the board. Now you get them on the board and you deploy them and see what you can do. 
think this could end up being one of the most fascinating um end of the year like NCAA tournament decisions ever. Cause imagine this team, so they're four and five right now. Let's say they go what? 18 and 13. So 14 and 8. It might be a little strong. 17 and 14. Uh-huh. Still strong. Like that that's not my expectation, <laughs> but let's say they do that. Like the tournament has to be like, hey, we we gotta essentially throw out the four and five, right? Like, because you're focused on the team that is there at that present moment. Like it used to be the, you know, the final 10 game thing. Um, that was part of the criteria. But now you have to take into consideration this is an entirely different team than that was what was on the court for the first nine games of the season. Is that fair? You think this could be one of those situations? Yeah, it definitely gets a qualification with the selection committee. They would talk about that just like when players are injured. Um, hey, what seed are they? Well, this guy's hurt, so he's not going to be around. Oh, we can't make him a four. Let's make him a six. Or this team did go uh, two and six in February, but they're starting small forward, missed six of those games. So that stuff does happen, and absolutely that would happen. You're like, oh, they didn't have their starting point guard who averaged X points and rebounds for nine games, and they went four and five. However, when he came back, they were this and this. So that's part of the conversation for sure. And I think a good thing for them is that while, yes, they are four and five, four of those losses are to like legitimate opponents. And the thing that I think worried you when they had the nine-game suspension for Creasa was how many Monmouths would they lose to? They lost to one Monmouth, but they didn't lose to Bellarmine. You know, they didn't lose to Drexel. Drexel's got a pull, so that's maybe not fair to them. But if they had taken some losses to bad teams, that's hard to get get rid of because even in a, even when you're wired like West Virginia is right now, they should be able to pull out games against Bellarmine and Monmouth. And they didn't take too many of those. And listen, even with better players, one or two of these guys who are missing, they might lose the pit. They might, with the way they shot the ball that night, that wasn't a numbers thing. That was a guy who got hot and a team that wouldn't miss. Lost to St. John's, maybe that happens with more players. Like I hope that makes sense, is that they didn't take, they, they took losses, but they only took one bad loss, and it's hard to say they aren't better right now. Will they beat Monmouth again? Will they beat Monmouth they played again? I can't guarantee that, but having watched them play similar competition and win the games, not impressively, but win the games, you may feel better about that at that point. They just have a better idea of who they are right now. So they're not in a terrible position there. It's just that they're going to have to remove a lot of doubt with wins the rest of the way, and that could be difficult. Like They, they have tough games coming up before they get into the Big 12, too. I hope people realize that, too. Right, One-word answer here, Mike. We're running out of time. Will Raekwon Battle be eligible before Christmas? No. Wow, what a downer. Now, Thanks, here's man. the thing. That does not mean he won't play before Christmas. Oh, God. Cut the, cut the podcast. No? Oh, God. Wrote about you're it. gonna have to deal with you're gonna have to deal with the back back question that Go I ahead. wrote about it. I explained it all yesterday. We had a, a VIP buzz. You can check that out. Tried to explain that. There's there's different legal definitions here at play. Okay. Should we tack on more time here? No. All right. No. Send your emails to Chris Anderson at 247sports.com. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.